0: Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles.
1: Hi, I'm Patty Lepone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Welcome to Stagecraft, Variety's theater podcast, bringing you backstage and behind the scenes with the stars and creators of the hottest shows on Broadway, off Broadway, and beyond. I'm your host, Gordon Cox. On this episode of StageCraft, I'm talking to the composer Janine Tesori. In 2015, her score for the musical Fun Home won her a Tony, and before that, her work had been seen on Broadway in Thoroughly Modern Millie, Shrek the Musical, Violet, and Caroline or Change. This season is a busy one for Tesori. Caroline or Change, the 2003 musical she wrote with Tony Kushner, is due to be revived on Broadway in the spring. But before that, her newest work, Soft Power, is playing at Off-Broadway's Public Theater after well-received runs in San Francisco and L.A. Written with the playwright David Henry Wong, Soft Power is a play that turns into a musical as it flips our perspectives on the U.S., China, and the power dynamics of an East-meets-West story like The King and I. Tassore is here with me to tell us all about it. Hi, Janine.
0: Hello. (laughs) Thanks for
1: joining me. (laughs) Hi. I it, soft power is sort of a difficult thing to describe project to describe. Um, how do you describe it to people when they ask you what you're working on these days?
0: I would say this the short answer to that is it's, um, a play that develops into a musical that is the reverse of the King and I it's the, a look at America from, um, a Chinese point of view. And, um, it's also a look at the Asian American ex- experience. It's the right. it's a, a look inside um, the the way that someone like David Henry Huang and and many people describe their experiences in America as being seen as the perpetual foreigner, mm. and uh, what it's like when someone comes from foreign soil here, and we really turn the lens um, the alternate way.
1: Right, right, and it sounds like. It's changed quite a bit as you've over the years, as as you the two of you have been working on it. Um, when David first approached you about the idea, what was the idea at the moment? What what, what did you think you were? Uh, the project was at that point. Well,
0: the, the idea was always about looking at the King and I, where the I is not an American, okay. or not a person, um, you know, a, a white person. Uh, um, that a person of color is mm-hmm. the I. And they go into a land that is dangerous and unknown, uh, and they have to influence those those people, and you know, look at missionaries or the way that the right. Arab Arabia or um, you know Siam, any of these places. So it's really take, really turning it on its head. It was always going to be that story, and then the election happened. Because Hillary was president when um the in David's story, right. assuming that that would happen, and then right. David was stabbed, and right. those two events and what happened to him it's it's also sort of the course of his belief system and how it was challenged by being injured blindsided right attacked from behind the way that he <laughs> many many people felt um at least surprised on both sides right. and uh, what it's been, re- what it's really revealed about the the past four years.
1: Right. And that uh, stabbing that happened to him, that was right around the time of the election. It was just after, is that right? It or? was
0: sometime after right. the election.
1: Yeah. Um, and was it always posited as a play that would become a musical? Was it, Was there ever a moment where you were working on what, what was a full music, what was considered a full musical?
0: No, we okay. were, It would. It was always a, a play with a musical in its right. back pocket. In the way okay. that I was really interested, as was David, as is David, in forms not to shift forms for the sake of shifting forms, but, you know, a, a character is always innocent of what's to come, even in planning. We don't really know until ex post facto, until right. that, after it happens. Right. But, I think the idea was that David set out to write a play about something. And then it turned into something else. So the form itself is innocent of what it's going to be.
1: Right, yeah. And what... Can you characterize the ways in which the results of the election sort of influenced how the the show shifted?
0: Well, it was a big deal that we didn't have a... I think the country was gearing up to have Madam President. Yeah. I think the idea that someone with no experience in government certainly not a scholar mm-hmm. not a lover of history of the language um it's an interesting relationship to the truth right oh uh, a, a way he's a showman and um mm. it always feels like and i felt this in the 80s when when donald trump you know there are a lot of people who love him mm-hmm. and stand by him i know many people but I, This is
1: with Reagan, is it in the eighties? Is that what you said? No, is with, that what you, with, with, oh, with Trump. with Trump. Oh, with Trump in the eighties. Oh, right. I see. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. Right.
0: With with Trump in the eighties. Right yeah. before he was but president. He was yeah, yeah. yeah right. Got seen it, got it. as someone yeah. who was selling something right. all the time. Who sort of always was grabbing a tiger by its tail. Right. And the fact that he is, you know, ascended to office is, right. you know, I is still um, surreal
1: to me. Right. Yeah. And obviously. David, there's something highly autobiograph- autobiographical about David's, you know, contributions to this, and that uh, you know, there's a character called DHH, yeah, um, and something similar happens to him as what happened to him in uh, in real life. Is there something? Are there elements of the show that feel for you particularly personal that uh, you've contributed?
0: Well, I, you know, it makes me really. First of all, I feel very patriotic about this country. I mm-hmm. feel like the country. So many people have laid down their lives for this country. They've, they're just the suffragist movement. All of these movements where people have put themselves in, in harm's way because they believe in the republic, I do too. And I think the way to believe in the public is to challenge the the republic, to challenge the um, and look for the ideals of democracy. It's a messy system, certainly, because it involves debate and discussion. It involves the collective, for sure. and And yet it's a system I deeply believe in and 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 trust i think that uh when you're looking at a country that is made up of people who are the other the only people who could ever say they could not go back to where they came from are indigenous people so when anyone when the rhetoric is spat out go back to where you came from that would be all of us every last one of us except for the people from whom this country was stolen. Right. the country itself was founded on freedom of speech slavery and genocide that right. is in the debt of the country and yet here we are what are right. we going to do well to further the conversation i think that shows especially music, musicals have great soft power that mm. they can transform a belief system that's in place and they can do it in a, a different kind of way you know rogers and hammerstein did it all the time.
1: Right. Right. And what te- so tell us a little bit about kind of your compositional palette for this because it seems like uh, you're sort of uh, you're sort of engaged in this act of like I don't know compositional empathy or something where you're sort of imagining a musical from another perspective, musically how it would sound, right? I mean, that's what it sounds like to me. What is that? Is that what it is? Or? I think when
0: I first started, with said yes, and we were we were talking about what it would be like to have Chinese authors. Set, it was like went through this Byzantine intellectual exercise, <laughs> and I thought, uh-huh. good God, I don't know how to how the hell to do that. Well, that, that's my question, so right? I'm how do you do? I'm going to write show tunes, the okay. best That I can in a classical way that I love, mm-hmm. and and sort of, you know, hopefully. Pay homage to the the beats and the the way that shows that I I've, I've always loved. I I I think musical theater is a magical form, and I'm endlessly humbled by it because you can't mm. really. I don't know if anybody can master it. I mean, Sondheim certainly certainly has mastered it, but I don't feel like I have. I'm I'm in search of it, right? And I think you know sometimes just that those those classical rhythms are so fun, and when they're delivering. Complicated material. I was mm. very interested in that.
1: Interesting. So it's so it's not like you're drawing on a Chinese sound palette or something like that. Or a, um,
0: um... I I think that from the time that I was a I did a culture exchange in China and I produced world music all through my twenties. so right. I'm, I'm pretty well versed in many of the styles. Not they're not my culture, but mm-hmm. I I worked with so many musicians and from being in 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 China and uh, working with the students over there. It every now and then I, I sort of, I hopefully subtly engage in that, but it's not, mm-hmm. um, it, it wasn't the driving force now.
1: Right. Right. And it, it sounds like you didn't, you've done a fair amount of work on the show since it's uh, run in LA last year and you're oh, continuing yeah. to do some work on it right now. What's, what did you learn uh, in L.A. from watching the show in L.A. that is guiding you now as you uh, bring it to New York?
0: You know, the show's ambition is great. I don't know if we'll yeah. reach it. We're trying. The, the greater the ambition, the simpler the spine. George Seawolf always says that to me, and mm. he's right. Yeah, that's pretty smart. We, we yeah. <laughs> weren't able to do any changes from L.A. to San Francisco, and right. I was overhearing a conversation where someone was going, they didn't make any changes. Well, we could not. Yeah, right. We, we had a week. <laughs> and the week yeah. was simply we and lee did an incredible job of simply remounting the this show This is Lee Silverman the director lee Silverman, yeah she yep. could not there was no way to make one change not a light change could be could differ between those two it's sure. just a miracle that it happened right. so our opportunity was here and i think it's really about clarification distilling without reducing looking at the rhythm and in inevitability of the show, where there need to be great edits, a great cut, a great clarification to, to reinvestigate and look at what the audiences were completely befuddled by. Mm. It's a show that asks the audience to go on a journey so they have to know, are they going in the end chain, the two chain? Are you getting on a plane, a caravan, right. you know, a, uh, like a scooter? What are you doing? Right. And I think people will go. So we've been really looking at those um, techniques.
1: Right. And this is a musical with a predominantly Asian American cast, which is uh, a They're rare thing. They're all Asian American. Yeah, except, except for, for one, one, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um and that's a rare thing. Uh, I was about to say that's a rare thing these days, but anytime. That's a rare anytime. thing. Anytime. <laughs> yeah. Uh,
0: also, there have been very few shows about the Asian American experience. Yeah, right. It's Allegiance, Flower Drum Song.
1: and What else is there? Is that it?
0: I think that might be it. I don't wow. know because I'm not, I, I don't know enough about that, but there are yeah, very, right. very few.
1: Yeah, yeah. Does that, uh, are you aware of that watching that when, uh, like, as you were sort of creating that? How did that sort of awareness uh, as a, for, uh, both of you kind of filter into kind of what you were doing?
0: Well, my, uh, I, I would hope to make, um, you know, to add to the repertoire of Mm. musical theater and this feels like that. Um, I, I think it's really important when we talk about representation that we also talk about what the experiences of all Americans and uh most of the asian american and that includes korean, filipino, um right. japanese, chinese, vietnamese um m- m- that they're um they've been cast in the king and i's, right, and right. the miss Saigons, and that's how a lot of them um as they described to me, got their training. Mm, Right. And and yet have rarely played an Asian-American inside a musical. There's a lot of inclusive Mm. casting. Right. But not to play an Asian-American experience, telling that story.
1: Right. Yeah. And looking at the show, what the show is, is becoming now, what do you feel like has surprised you most about kind of what it is, what it has become and what it is saying from, you know, back when you started on the project?
0: Uh, I think I think the thing that has surprised me is the way that it's moving. Not that it's moving because mm. David writes stories that I find really compelling and moving. But basically, I think when we got to New York, we challenged him to take himself seriously as a dramatic character. And <laughs> uh-huh. I think that he's reluctant and... Uh, and the conflict is he's reluctant and i think desperate for people to know and that is a really interesting it's like the reluctant passenger Hmm. and yet he's driving so the reluctant protagonist and i find that rub really um i i find it i'm very invested in that
1: right yeah interesting um and so, soft power is an original story, um, and so is Caroline or Change. Uh, do you enjoy what's what's different about the challenges of you know working on something brand new as opposed to an adaptation of the, you know like one of your other musicals, like Fun Home, for instance, or Thoroughly Modern Millie, or whatever? Like, what what's different about the challenges of sort of crafting something new for the first time with no prior roadmap in another form?
0: Well, I think you have to make, and in, in my mind, all musicals are adaptations. So you have to put the play, oh. you have to put the grid yourself, Okay. and make sure that it's it's got a structure that 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 you can, you know, if you think of it as a laundry line that you can hang the narrative and the driving force on. Hmm. So I think you just you have to do that your, yourself, and that means that first part of the process isn't done for you, even though Fun Home was daunting because of its graphic. Novel, the the novelistic nature of juxtaposition of image and text. How do you dramatize that? And it took us a long way to find it. But there were so you know my my copy of that book is basically in powder because I've been through (laughs) it so many times, and there were so many clues inside it. So our um, clues are inside David, Mm. and uh, there are many parts where I just said, I just need to ask you about this and this Mm. and this and this. And how one explores and experience a trauma, a way of looking at the world and asking other people to look at it, to attempt to look at it with radical empathy, to step inside your shoes, knowing that they can't live there, but they can travel there.
1: Right. Yeah. And. Doing all that work and working with him in that way and working on this show, has it shifted your own perspective in any way about sort of the issues that the show addresses? Oh, my
0: God. Yeah. yeah. I do shows to learn. Right. Um, I don't tend to do shows that are tremendously commercial. I really, I, I feel like I want to write the things that I haven't seen before. Right. And um, and this has been a, 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 I am forever changed by this show and this cast forever.
1: Right. Can you elaborate a little more on that in terms of what how you think differently here?
0: Well, I guess that I have been really thinking black and white. Yeah. I've been really thinking about America being, um, you know, that the the struggles of African Americans and the Latinx community, and I've, I've seen in um, in plays there's certainly representation of right. of storytellers, but I, from my experience and what I'm looking at, the um, Asian American storytellers there are not a lot of them right Right. and there are more people writing plays but there's certainly not a lot of people writing musicals right and i just hadn't spent the time to think about not only that as a quantitative question but as a qualitative question about what happens when that is not there
1: Mm. right Um, This is a busy season for you. You've Mm -hmm. got this, you've got this uh, soft power and then uh, you've got Carolina Change uh, coming into Broadway with uh, Sharon D. Clark, who is reprising her Olivier winning performance. Um, What's it like to revisit that now um, with the current political situation being what it is and the world being what it is today, as opposed to, you know, 2000, the early 2000s when you were um, first working on the piece?
0: Yeah, we opened here in 2003 and then we were on Broadway on in 2004. Right. I um, I I think that Tony is, you know, Tony is the our most prescient. Right.
1: This is Tony Kushner of course, Tony Kushner your your <laughs> collaborator is our most on that. Prescient
0: yep. and precious playwright. Yes. Uh, in terms of looking ahead to see sure. how um, the the, the, uh, the state of politics yeah. will catch up with the world. I mean, we saw that with Angels in America, right? Angels when it in was America from Buddy Cobble. Yep. So I think now Carolina changed that, the idea of a Confederate soldier, the statue being taken down. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. I think that there were people who understood it-ish then right. well we understand it now. No, it plays very differently now, yeah. It really yeah. does the stakes of that play very differently. We've yeah. seen what, what has been revealed and uh, it's something that he's always known and experienced. So I think right. I think that um it's it it was incredible. And we went over to sure. Chichester to yeah, to which see is, which is where it premiered, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It premiered.
1: Yeah. And uh tell us about her performance. I I heard such raves about it. What um I haven't didn't get a chance to see it in London. What,
0: when I look at the original production of Caroline Our Change, yeah. it was we were you're just finding our way. And I think when it gets revisited and especially with time, later and Michael Longhurst who is a, a wonderful director, he looked at it, you know, with great rigor. And right. uh he it's one of his it's his first musical he's ever directed. And so he hmm. has this sort of um, I love the way that what he found inside it, and it's quite different. Sharon, what what she plays is she's statuesque, and yet she's mm. she's quite welcoming and very warm. So mm. she has this. She's intrepid, and at the same time, uh, you you see the love that was once there in a big way. And mm. I I really love her, her performance as well.
1: Yeah, uh, revisiting. Carolina change or any sort of old piece of yours, do you, uh, how do you look at it from like, you know, with your contemporary as, as as with yourself as an artist, or you think, is there something watching Carolina change again? Is there something in particular that you're extremely proud of that you feel like you guys got really right?
0: I look at it as um, I, I, you know, it was the, at the start of my becoming a more serious artist, Mm. uh, working with Tony and George, like I have been guessing more, in terms of, and it was the beginning of the, my deep sense of study into narrative and the power of musicals. Mm. And I wasn't really quite sure, even when I did Violet, I mm. there was so much guesswork. And the the working with those kinds of artists, Tony Kushner, George C. Wolf, Tanya yeah. Pinkins, sure, uh, you know, you have to, you, you, you just your tennis game gets much better. I got sharper. The questions I I started asking were were deeper and better questions, right. and so it started a way of working that was that really changed me.
1: Yeah. And are you the kind of person who sees stuff you wrote years ago and thinks, "Well, if I could just get in there and do that one thing, like tweak that one thing?" Or- no, no. It's yeah. just,
0: it's like for me going back and rewriting a sixth grade haiku. I mean, it, the time's passed. Right. I can't, I cannot. I, I, we did that with Violet, and I think we made some changes. Yeah, yeah right, for Broadway. With right. Violet, yeah. but yeah. We, we we went back to some of the things that we thought before we changed format and that right. kind of thing. But I think you get so, you just aren't who you were when you wrote the show.
1: Yeah, right, right. And looking at your work as a whole, do you... What do you think of? It can be hard to identify for uh, people who have seen a lot of your shows to sort of identify a signature sound for you because I feel like you know you draw on the sounds of whatever is the appropriate to the story or the setting or whatever um, do you Do you consider yourself as having a signature sound or a signature style, and if so, what is it?
0: I think my signature sound is about the text
1: because
0: mm. I think uh, i'm uh, I'm really really interested in the the in, in, in inside the the text of something and what the soundscape for that for that show would be. Right. And I I think early on when I got a lot of um shade my way about being eclectic and <laughs> that I didn't have a style. And I used to care about that, but I don't really care about that anymore because I I really sit with these characters for a mm-hmm. long time. And then uh and figure out what the orchestra what the orchestration should be. That's to me where it really comes out. Mm. So it's not just about the piano, but what what is really going to be heard. And then I really think about my relationship to that, and then I just go. Right. I just, you know, I learned a long time ago to stop worrying about, I want my shows to do well, and I want people to come see them, but I've, I've learned to really, as best I can, stop worrying about those kinds of, you know.
1: Yeah, yeah do does music come to you first or words that maybe are sometimes written by someone else like what how how I think what, what the, comes first what the
0: song needs to do comes first okay you know the activation what what they need to do and mm-hmm. then it and then it starts happening so the idea of the song right um what really what what its job is to carry the right. story from where to where even if it's just to, to add rhythm and delight. Yeah. That's a job assignment until I understand that I can't write it.
1: Right. Yeah. And you, you touched on this a little bit, but I, uh, one of my questions for you is what, what draws you to the stories that you end up musicalizing? I mean, you mentioned that it's like things you're, uh, you've never really seen before that, that that's really attracts you. I think it's point of
0: views that have not, that I haven't noticed like I, uh, mm. With Taswell Thompson, I wrote an opera that premiered this summer and will yeah. be in, um, the, at the Kennedy Center and then Chicago. And then it will be in New York in a year, I believe. Right. And that is about the, a black police officer and the African-American experience on, on the blue line. Right, and It's called I, Blue? Do I have that it's right? It's called Blue. Okay, great. Yeah. Yeah. And I hadn't thought about it. And it's something I wanted to think about. Right. And I wanted to spend time with and I wanted to you know dramatize it and uh, I I think a lot of the characters that I uh, really feel my heart going out to are characters that no one has noticed before
1: Mm, right and that leads me to my next question actually what you've done a fair amount of work in opera as well what how does that complement your sort of musical theater work and when is something an opera versus a musical theater piece
0: I think you know in um, what I what m- I'm not an opera scholar, but what I've noticed mm-hmm. about opera is the the driver is the music, hmm. and the story is the the stories are epic. Um, they're often based on mythology, but there there's not a there's not a tremendous amount of plot that can go there. Even if the Duchess goes here and all of these things, but right. they're 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 really the the force of um a, you know one grand event or what, there mm-hmm. there's a great thrust that way the narrative thrust and that allows you to let music breathe and sit right. and repeat uh and i'm i that form is very appealing to uh to me
1: right do you do you have a sense of What, having now done some work in opera, how that sort of informs the stuff you do in musical theater at all, does it?
0: Well, because I orchestrate my own stuff in opera, it has given me much more of an idea of what I want from an orchestrator when I'm in theater. So starting even with Fun Home, I wasn't... It's it's not about writing on the piano and then handing it to an orchestrator and saying I hope it goes well. It's really, <laughs> right. my mentor had said in the beginning, you know, well, who is going to play that? And I never used to think about that when I started out. I was just, right. you know, praying it would get to the page. And and he was saying that the the unless you're writing for the piano, the piano is a representation of the orchestra. It's the mm-hmm. one of or if the only instrument that is that the range is greater than the orchestra, and you have to write. Right at understanding who is going to play that, otherwise right. it will never sound as good as it does on a piano right. because a piano can pedal and a piano can do a lot of uh, you know arpeggios and a lot right. of movement in an orchestra. Um, there are very few instruments that do that that way
1: and this may, it may change from piece to piece and song to song to song, but what do you want out of an orchestration then when you hand over
0: Well, I want the orchestration to um, be representing the core. That we start the piece with so it it has to be the the um the integration of ideas that's been around forever I mean Jerome Kern they Mm. since the early 1900s this idea has been around that there's a oneness to it but Mm. that means that everybody it's like when chorus line ends with the number one it's it really not only dramatized um, the idea of what happens with tension because he doesn't really give you a kick line until the end which is so right. genius right. and then the lights go out um, but, but the idea that um, a, a really wonderful event for me in musical theater is when you can't when everything merges, there's mm. a oneness and integration, and that means right down to what the second violin. If you're so lucky. Yeah, I was going to say if you got to. <laughs> but to the pinky of what a piano player is, you know, all of those details contribute. Right. Nothing is neutral.
1: Right. Uh, you mentioned your mentor. Who Who is your mentor?
0: My mentor was a man named Burl Red, who was mm. a great educator, um, composer. He was wonderful. A uh, gentleman from Arkansas, he went to Baylor, and then Yale, studied with Elliot Carter, and then oh, wow. I met him in my early 20s, and we had a business together for 25 years. Right,
1: right, yeah. And what are you working on now, other than Soft Power and the upcoming Carolina change?
0: Well, um, I have a Met Commission that I'm um, writing right now. Great. I'm going to the McDowell Colony, thank God. Yeah, thank, oh, congratulations, I just saw that. Yeah, and yeah, I, yeah. Thank God that I can go there and, and write. Um, Blue will be making its way around the country, hopefully with more stops. Mm-hmm. Um, can
1: you tell us anything about the Met Commission or are you working with uh, another artist on it or
0: I'm uh, yeah it's uh, based on the play Grounded by George Brandt mm-hmm. who is a wonderful playwright yeah uh, it was a one woman play yeah that I'm expanding based on his libretto, libretto which is written yeah and interesting I'm it's about a fighter pilot right and yeah, Anne uh,
1: Hathaway was in a production of it uh, um, a few years ago right Wasn't yeah she? the yeah. one
0: that I really you saw it
1: before then probably oh maybe? yeah yeah yeah, yeah.
0: I, the one that I really loved was the one I, I saw at the studio theater in D.C. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, yeah. I thought it was astonishing. Mm. And uh, when when Peter and George and I met, I asked one of the actors to come and read part of the play on the Met stage mm. so I could just see what it would be like. And the huh. proscenium, you know, whether it makes it there or not, the proscenium took on a, an entire character of being the sky. Mm. So, cool. see.
1: And... And you probably don't even have a timeline for that yet, or do you?
0: Um, I have some deadlines for that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't know if I don't have deadlines, so right. I have that. Yeah, and I'm writing a new um, musical that hasn't been announced yet, but it's with David Lindsay O'Bear.
1: Oh, great. Mm-hmm. That is this the first time since Shrek that you guys have worked together? Yeah. Yeah. Great. Good. Um, well, we look forward to seeing that. Um, thanks for taking the time to chat with me. It's and, uh, a pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> nice to talk to you. Thanks, Janine. You too. you. <laughs> That was Janine Tesori, the composer of Soft Power, now playing at the Public Theater, and of Caroline or Change, getting a Broadway revival this spring. If you like what you're hearing on this and other episodes of StageCraft, please tell a friend or tell some strangers and rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to StageCraft. I'll be back with another new episode next week. Until then, see you at the theater.